Hello again. This is Brother Michael Lankford with Old Testament Discipleship Success. Our podcast is called Discipleship Answers. This is where I answer questions that you have sent me as it pertains to walking as a disciple of Almighty God and the Savior, Jesus Christ. The question that we are tackling in our present podcast series is, is the Roman Catholic Church a cult, or is it a church? We've already done a number of episodes, which you can find at HTTPS Discipleship Success Discipleship Answers Podcast. Jesus the Messiah told us that we could recognize whether something is good or bad, righteous or unrighteous, by the fruit that it produces. Matthew seven fifteen through 20 By their fruits you will recognize them. With this in mind, we have been looking at the different characteristics or the fruit that are universally identified as being a cult. And we've been comparing these fruits with the characteristics of the Roman Catholic Church from its own writings and teachings. The central question being, does the Roman Catholic Church fulfill the characteristics and bear the fruit of a cult, or does it fulfill the characteristics and bear the fruit of a legitimate congregation or fellowship belonging to Yudhe Almighty God, and to Jesus Christ? One of the fruits of the characteristics of a cult is that they almost always treat Scripture as a second-class or third-class citizen. A cult will almost always say something to the effect of, yes, we know what Scripture says, but our authority is higher than the Scriptures. Whenever any religious group, it doesn't matter whether the group is Roman Catholic, Protestant, non-denominational, Hebrew roots, Old Testament, or whatever they want to label themselves, whenever you see any group minimize or displace the authority of the written scriptures so that they can lift themselves up or elevate themselves in authority, you are in a dangerous religious group. At that point, you are either in a cult already or the group is in danger of becoming a cult. So when you want to know whether something is a cult or a legitimate church belonging to yod Almighty God, and to the Savior Jesus Christ, you must ask the question, where does this religious group place biblical and scriptural authority? Do they place the written scripture at the top of the food chain in authority, as it were? If the leadership in the church itself places itself squarely under the authority of the written scriptures, then they are most likely a legitimate church, assuming, of course, that they rightly divide and rightly apply the scriptures, which not everyone does, so you have to be careful about that, but at least they're willing to admit that scripture is supreme in authority. On the other hand, whenever a church or group places itself or its religious leaders and institution above the written scriptures in authority, then they are a cult, pure and simple. Any religious group that does not want to be tested and held up to scriptural requirements is, by definition, a cult, and not a legitimate church. Why? Because that group lowers God's word and authority, is more interested in furthering itself, more than it is interested in furthering God's kingdom or God's people, and more than they are interested in making successful disciples and followers of Yahweh and Jesus Christ. Any group that displaces scriptural authority is serving itself and not genuinely interested in building up disciples for the kingdom of God, which is, by the way, the church's mission. So let's take a look at some of the writings of the Roman Catholic Church and see what they say about the authority of the scriptures. The Roman Catholic Church does not accept the Bible as the ultimate source of truth. 
In fact, they do not believe that the Bible is the source of divine truth. The following quote comes from the Second Vatican Council. Open quote. There exists a close connection and communication between the sacred tradition and sacred scripture. Sacred scripture is the word of God inasmuch as it is consigned to the writing under the inspiration of the divine spirit. While sacred tradition takes the word of God entrusted by Christ the Lord and the Holy Spirit to the apostles and hands it down to its successors, which they assume to be them, and its full purity, so that they are led by the light of the spirit of truth, they may proclaiming it preserve the word of God, faithfully explain it, and make it more widely known. Article 95, Roman Catholic Catechism, quote, It is clear, therefore, that in supremely wise arrangement of God, sacred tradition and sacred scripture and the magisterium of the church are so connected and associated that one cannot stand without the others. Working together, each in its own way, under the action of the same Holy Spirit, they all contribute effectively to the salvation of souls. Sacred tradition and sacred scripture make up the single deposit of the word of God, which as a mirror, the pilgrim church, contemplates God, the source of all that her riches. Catechism of the Catholic Church, copyrighted 1994, United States Catholic Conference, pages 34 and 35. This statement says that they believe that the sacred scripture and sacred tradition are both necessary and both are divine truth. It also is important to notice that they believe that sacred tradition preserves the word of God. That is, sacred tradition has a greater authority than sacred scriptures. It's also important to note that they believe that their understanding of divine truth evolves over time. Open quote. This tradition comes from the apostles, develops in the church, and with the help of the Holy Spirit for their growth, the understanding of the realities and the words which have been handed down. For as the centuries succeed one another, the church constantly moves forward, and forward in the fullness of divine truth until the words of God reach their complete fulfillment in her, meaning in the church. For years, the Catholics have been proclaiming that the RCC, the Roman Catholic Church, has been the protector and the preserver of the scriptures. However, in 1998, the Vatican opened up secret files of the Inquisition which revealed that they had been banning, or they had banned, the scriptures from Roman Catholic Europe from 1442 until 1902. Folks, that means that the Roman Catholic Church readily admits that in their own documents, that throughout Roman Catholic-controlled Europe, it was illegal to own a Bible for centuries. Now, let's be real. If you really and truly love God, and love his word, why would you do that? You might say that was a long time ago. Does the Roman Catholic Church still operate this way? Well, according to the Roman Catholic Catechism 1993, they still believed the same way. Open quote. The task of interpreting the word of God authentically has been entrusted solely to the magisterium of the church, to the pope, and to the bishops in communion with him. That's page 30 of the Roman Catholic Catechism number 100. Really? The Bible would completely disagree with that position, and we'll discuss that later. 
But I quote again from the Second Vatican Council's Dogmatic Theology Constitution of the Church, Article 20. Quote, The bishops have by divine institution taken the place of the apostles as pastors of the church, in such wise that whosoever listens to them is listening to Christ. Whosoever despises them despises Christ and him who sent Christ. Notice again that they emphasize their institution above written scripture. Also another quote from the Vatican Council, Constitution of the Church, number 25. The faithful, for their part, are obligated to submit to the bishop's decision made in the name of Christ in all matters faith and morals, and to adhere to them with readiness and respectful allegiance of mind. For, of course, all that has been said about the matter of interpreting Scripture ultimately subject to the judgment of the Church, which exercises divinely conferred commission and ministry of watching over and interpreting the Word of God. Page 34 Item 119. So to put it plainly, whatever the bishops teach and whatever the bishops say and believe is to be believed automatically and submitted to because they are, to quote-unquote, divinely appointed and they alone speak for Christ. This authority is even extends to determining what scriptures say. Catholics cannot read and interpret the Bible for themselves. They have to have the magisterium's opinion for what the Bible says, no matter how contradictory their opinion may appear to what is actually written in the Bible. And this was even quoted by Father Matthias Prenum in the book Dogmatic Theology for the Laity. Quote, And the teaching office of the Church is more important than the Bible. Only an infallible Church can tell us what books belong to the Scriptures. And only an infallible church can interpret the true meaning of sacred scriptures. No one can do this for himself. Thus, the Catholic can only read the Bible. The Bible will be published by the church. In other words, the immediate and the highest rule of faith is the living office of the church. Dogmatic theology of the laity, as obey it. The last statement simply means that, that their teachings will change, and they have. Since Jesus and the apostles departed this earth, the Roman Catholic Church has changed their interpretations and the teachings of the Bible. For example, the worship of Mary. This is a serious problem since any new doctrine could be you know, added to or later revoked. It is possible that a new understanding about what the means of salvation might be taught someday. The concept of the oral tradition which is an understanding that evolves over time, means that there is no absolute truth within the Roman Catholic Church. The Second Vatican Council also made the following statement, quote, Consequently, it is not from sacred scripture alone that the Church draws her certainty about everything that has been revealed. Therefore, both sacred scripture and sacred tradition have to be accepted and venerated with the same sense of loyalty and reverence. So we're supposed to honor God and the church's sacred tradition with equal reverence. They state that we have to accept their sacred tradition as equal to the word of God. According to dogmatic constitution, divine revelation, the Second Vatican Council says both of them are equal. Sacred tradition and sacred scripture are the deposit of the word of God. It's important to notice that the expression, Word of God, they do not mean the sacred scriptures. Most Protestants use that expression, Word of God, to refer to the Old and New Testaments 
of written scripture. But the Roman Catholic Church teaches that the Word of God is both sacred scripture and sacred tradition. And remember, it's their interpretation of what scripture says according to them. So even when they use sacred scripture, they put a spin on it that says what they want it to say. So, you know, sacred scripture and sacred tradition are to be equal, accepted with equal reverence according to them. They use sacred tradition to trump a lot of what the Bible says, and you'll see that as we continue. This is a serious issue because, as we said earlier, uh, they have a tradition that has greater importance to them. In the next statement, they will say that neither sacred scripture nor sacred tradition can be completely trusted. Quote, it is clear that sacred tradition, sacred scripture, and the teaching authority of the church. So now they've got three systems. They've got the sacred scripture, sacred tradition, and the teaching magisterium of the church. In accord with God's wise design, are so linked, joined together, that they cannot stand without the others. And that all together, and each of, in his own way, under the action of the Holy Spirit, contribute effectively to the salvation of souls. The Roman Catholic Church asserts that the absolute ultimate authority is the teaching authority of the church. They believe that this is God's most wise design. And we'll discover shortly that neither Jesus nor his apostles taught this way. This is not God's wise design, but it is a manipulation. In fact, Scripture has a serious statement about those who do not teach what they should, so we'll talk about that a little bit more. According to the Roman Catholic Church, if anyone without doctrinal background or awareness of the Christian tradition would simply pick up the Gospels and read these references to the, to the brothers and sisters of Jesus, I suppose he would take for granted that they were children of Mary and Joseph. But it is a remarkable thing that none of the early fathers or writers of the church, except possibly Tertullian, who was a heretic, ever thought of considering these brethren as children of Mary. Some took it for granted that they were children of Joseph by an earlier marriage, but there was always a firm, constant doctrinal tradition that Mary had remained a virgin all of her life. This is not what the Bible teaches. We discussed that earlier. The origin of St. Basil popularity strong appointing this out. J.D. Conley, What the Church Teaches, Hyper and Brothers, New York, 1962, page 87. Again, they're trying to, by Roman Catholic apologetists, are trying to basically kibosh the gospel because it doesn't fit with their doctrine. Now, they'll put a spin on it saying, oh, the laity's just misunderstood and they're not, you know, under the wisdom of the council of the church. But the bottom line is anybody who can read says, uh, that's not what this says. The Roman Catholic Church has actively suppressed the scriptures for hundreds of years. The Roman Catholic Church claims to be the stewards and protectors of Holy Scripture, when in reality, they have been its biggest suppressor. Catholic defenders claim that in early centuries, few people could read, but the truth is that the Catholic fathers were complaining about how many new copies of Scriptures were readily available, and they were complaining of this as early as 397 AD. The real problem was that there were so many Roman churches practices that were obviously contrary to Scripture in the First and Second Testament writings, 
that it was proving very embarrassing for the Roman Catholic Church. People were beginning to examine the RCC's practices against the Scripture and finding them to be extremely wanting, if you can imagine it. The solution for the Roman Catholic Church was to make decrees banning and forbidding the reading of the Scriptures. As I quote from the Council at Valencia, quote, The decree set forth in the year 1,229 by the Council of Valencia places the Bible on the text of forbidden books. The doctrine withholds that it is forbidden for a layman, a common person, to read the Old and New Testaments. We forbid those most severely who have the above books in the popular vernacular. The lords of the districts shall carefully seek out these heretics in their dwellings, their hovels, their forests, even their underground retreats, and they shall be entirely wiped out. This was under Pope Gregory IX in 1229 AD. So, if you're that biblical, if you're that good a steward of the Bible, why ban the Bible? Why have the Bible on a list of forbidden books until the 1960s? From 1229 until the 1960s, the Catholics held the Bible as a forbidden book. It was forbidden for a common, everyday Catholic to own a Bible, to have a Bible. Why? If you're that good a steward of the Holy Scriptures, why ban the reading? First, they ban the Bible. Then they suppress it. And then after a while, they say they're the only ones who can interpret it. It's a very convenient, self-serving arrangement, but it is far from godly. Anybody with any sort of wisdom or discernment at all should ask the question, if your authority and the use of your power is so righteous and so virtuous and so heaven-sent as you claim, then why suppress the scriptures? If you love God and his word so much, why would you ban and forbid the Holy Scriptures in territories controlled by your church for centuries? If your power and your authority is so heaven-sent, then why give your leaders the authority to murder people for possessing a Bible? If you're doing the right thing, it's so completely God-given as you claim, then wouldn't you want people to be able to read the Scriptures? If you're doing so completely virtuous, wouldn't you want people to be able to test what you're doing by the scriptures and you'd be proved, right? There's only one reason why any group, secular or religious, tries to ban or pervert the scriptures. That's because they know that if you inspect the scriptures too closely, you'll find out that they're a fraud, you'll find out that they're lying, that they're self-serving, manipulative, and that they're trying to oppress people and abuse people and use their power to do it. There's only one reason to ban, forbid, or twist the scriptures. And that's when you want to do what you want to do instead of serving God and Jesus Christ. That's a cult. Only a cult tries to control the entire flow of information and doesn't want to be questioned. And the best way to do that is to make sure they don't read the Bible. As Horace Greeley said, it is impossible to enslave a biblically literate people. Because what they'll do is they'll read their Bibles, they'll believe their Bibles, they'll understand what the Bible says, they'll look at what you're doing and say, hey, don't do that, that's against God, you're sinning, you need to stop, and they won't support you. The only reason to ban the scriptures is if you're being unbiblical. If you're being biblical, you love the Bible. If you don't, 
If you don't want to be biblical and you want your authority to flourish without authority of Scripture, then you ban the Scriptures. There's only one reason to ban the Bible, and that's if you want to abuse the Bible or you don't want to obey the Bible. If you're being biblically obedient, you like for people to check you up against the Bible because all it proves is that you're doing the right thing to begin with. So when you see a people that want to suppress the Bible, they are not under God's blessing. According to Romans 1 and 18, if they suppress the scriptures, which we've already discussed in past episodes, to be the truth, right? It's defined as the truth. The word of God is truth, John 17, 17. So when they want to suppress the word of God, you know that they're in for God's wrath. They are not under God's blessing. They are under God's wrath, as it is written, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. So when you use unrighteous means to suppress the scriptures, you're under God's wrath. You're not under God's blessings, according to Romans 1 verse 18. When you suppress the Bible and you forbid people from having the scriptures because you want to do wickedly, and then you use wicked means to suppress the scriptures, and they did all you have to do is read the articles of the Inquisition and what they said they could do to people who possess Bibles without their permission, and I promise you that you'll see that they used wicked means to suppress the Scriptures. They used wicked means to suppress the truth, and according to the Scriptures, you're under God's wrath when you do that, Romans 1.18. You are not under God's blessings when you do stuff like that. Whenever a religious group suppresses the Scriptures, they are, by definition, suppressing the truth. Whenever they give themselves license to murder and steal and confiscate property for people possessing the truth, that is an effort to suppress the truth by wicked means, and by doing that, they are under God's wrath. They are not blessed of God. They are heading for wrath and judgment, according to Romans 1.18, because they're not only suppressing the truth, but they're going about suppressing the truth and using wicked means to suppress the truth. Whenever you see a group trying to restrict or ban the scriptures, you have to ask yourself, why are these people trying to get away with? What are these people trying to get away with that they don't want you to know is wrong? Because anybody doing the right thing would not mind you seeing the scriptures and going, oh, well, they're doing it based on the basis of this, so they're doing the right thing. And if they're really doing the right thing, nobody's going to say, hey, stop reading the scriptures. The moment any group, political or religious or otherwise, says ban the scriptures, it's because they want to violate the scriptures and they want to sneak stuff by you without you knowing what's going on or without you knowing that they're doing the wrong thing. That's the only reason for suppressing the Bible. Anybody doing the right thing wants to do their, their deeds in the light, wants to be exposed to the scriptures, because all that'll happen is they'll be proven correct. What the Bible says about following tradition. Remember, the Catholic Church claims that their tradition combines with Holy Scripture to reveal truth. Let's see if that's true, okay? In the Gospel of Matthew, we are told that some of the Pharisees and scribes came to Jesus from Jerusalem to ask him why his disciples had not washed their hands before eating, in accordance with the religious tradition that their sages and forefathers had handed down. The Pharisees and the scribes and the religious leaders in Jerusalem, and they did not like the fact that folks were listening to and following Messiah. Then Jesus answered them with the following statement. Now, this is in, I'm referring to the Matthew 15 episode. And he answered them, 
And why do you yourselves transgress the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? Matthew 15.3 and Matthew 15.9. The Gospel of Mark includes some additional statements made by Jesus. Open quote. Neglecting the commandment of God, you hold to the tradition of men. And he also saying to them, you nicely set aside the commandment of God in order to keep your own traditions. Thus, invalidating the word of God by your tradition, which you have handed down, and you do many things as this. Let me point out here very quickly that the main problem with all of this is not just the idea of traditions of men. The big problem is when people allow or groups allow their sacred tradition to become more important than the scriptures. And when their sacred traditions are so important that they add to biblical commandments that are not in the Bible. In other words, when you force people to obey commandments that your tradition has handed down, and those traditions force them to break or violate commandments of God in written scripture, that's when this becomes a problem. Because you're putting people in a position where they have to choose to obey either your group or obey what God says in his written word. And whenever you do that, that is a sin. The Bible is very clear that you should not add to commandments that God has given, and you should not subtract from commandments that are God-given in written scripture. Anyone who does that is committing a sin. The Bible says, Proverbs 30, verse 6, do not add to his words, or God will reprove you and call you a liar. So when you impose traditions of men and treat them like they're commandments of God, such as the worship of Mary, for example, which God actually forbids. So you're forcing people to disobey a God-given commandment in order to keep what you say. That is really sinful and wrong. That's when you know it's a cult. They're putting themselves above what God says. That's when it's a problem. Traditions by themselves are not the problem. But when you put people in a position where they have to choose whether they're going to obey you or obey God, that's when it becomes a problem, and especially when you decide that if they don't obey you, you have the right to kill them, and you put them in a position where if they disobey you, they die, and if they disobey God, they're worthy of death according to the words. So now you're in real trouble because you're putting people in a can't win situation just so you can increase your power and control over their lives. That's wicked. I recommend you read Mark 7 1 through 13, but the verses I read are Mark 7 8, 9, and 13. Human tradition is not sacred scripture. It's simply human tradition. These religious leaders were false teachers because they were ignoring what the sacred scriptures taught, and they were placing their tradition as equal to divine truth, just like the Catholics do. Basically, the Catholics would qualify as modern-day Pharisees. Jesus rebuked them for their false teaching, and for this they later killed him. The Apostle Paul also had some things to say about tradition. The apostle had both positive and negative things to say. Here are the positive statements. I praise you because you remember me in everything and hold firmly to the traditions just as I have declared them to you. 1 Corinthians 11, 2. So then, brethren, stand firm and hold fast the traditions which you were taught, whether by word of mouth or by letter from us. 2 Thessalonians 2, 15. In both statements, the apostle encourages the saints who believe in Jesus to hold firmly to his traditions that he taught them. 
It is important to remember, though, that the New Testament was in the process of being written at the time. When Paul taught or referred to traditions, it was to become the scripture which are now included in the Bible. Therefore, the wonderful news about Jesus, infinitely taught by word of mouth, the last statement used by the Roman Catholic Church to support about sacred tradition. But the Apostle also had some strong statements about accepting any kind of tradition that was contradictory to what was already taught in the Word. Now, I command you, brethren, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you keep aloof from every brother that leads an unruly life according to the tradition which you have received. So, see to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception, according to the tradition of man, according to the elementary principles of the world, rather than according to Christ. Colossians 2.8. So, Colossians 2.8 warns us against traditions of men that are contrary to Jesus Christ. And you're going to see that their traditions are contrary to Jesus Christ in just a minute. Now, take a look again at Galatians 1 and verse 8. This is a different statement. But even though we, or an angel from heaven, should preach to you a gospel contrary to that which was preached to you, let him be anathema, or let him be accursed. Okay? Again, but if, but if even we, or an angel from heaven, should preach to you a gospel contrary to that which we have preached to you, let him be accursed. Galatians 1 verse 8. The Roman Catholic Church has been adopting new teachings since the time of Jesus and the Apostle. The Apostle Paul clearly says that we are to reject any teacher who changes what has already been taught from the first century. The scriptures are the only proof of what has been taught since the beginning. Even if an angel or an institution or a church, you know, comes to us and teaches something different than what was already taught in the scriptures in the first century, we're to reject that person. So before we close out this episode with closing statements, let me make a very important point as to how they handled things in the first century, as opposed to what the church claims after 300 A.D., which is a very different thing. Acts chapter 17, verses 10 through 12, reads as follows. Now the brethren immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. And when they arrived, they went into the synagogue of the Jews. Now these were more noble-minded than those in Thessalonica, for they received the word with eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see whether these things were so. The Bible also tells us that there many believed, among them a number of prominent Greek women and men. Did you catch what happened there? In the first century, Paul and Silas go into the synagogue, start preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, and the Bible says that the people heard what the apostles had to say. They listened, but they also searched the scriptures daily, testing and verifying what they were told by the apostles to see if these things were true. Now, did you notice that these Bereans are not at all criticized in the scriptures? They're praised as being noble-minded. They're honored by being called noble-minded in the scriptures. 
Nobody said, hey, you should have accepted everything the Apostle Paul said with our question in readiness of mind and absolutely accepted it as doctrine without checking it out through the Scriptures. On the contrary, these people were praised because they searched the Scriptures daily to see if Paul was telling the truth in his teachings about Messiah. Now, these people were searching the Old Testament. Why? Well, for two reasons. One, these people were not yet believers in Messiah, so they would not have treated the word of the apostles as gospel anyway. And secondly, the only Bible they would have had in readiness would have been the Old Testament. That is the Torah, the five books of Moses, the prophets, the Psalms, and the Old Testament writings. So, by searching the scriptures daily, they were able to prove that Paul was telling the truth regarding Messiah. These people weren't condemned for searching the scriptures and testing the apostles. They were praised for it. In Revelation 2.2, Jesus Christ, the Son of God and Messiah, actually praises the church for testing the apostles and exposing the ones that are false. Let's take a look at that one together. As it is written, I know your deeds and your labor and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate those who are evil. And you have tested and exposed as liars those who falsely claim to be apostles. So these people were not being condemned for testing the apostles and exposing the falsehoods. They were actually praised for it. But again, it's a very convenient thing for the Roman Catholic Church to neglect and just abandon those passages, because if you test the apostles' teachings with the scriptures, it will either be proved that they are true apostles, or it will be proved that they're counterfeit, and they know it. Conclusion. The sacred scriptures are the final authority, according to 2 Timothy. The apostle Peter also tells us that God has given us the authority to interpret scripture, and the scripture is sufficient. As it is written, You, however, continue in the things which you have learned and become convinced of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the sacred writings, which are able to give you wisdom and leads to salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be complete, adequate, and fulfilled for every good work. So the scripture is in entirely complete to make us ready for the good works that God wants us to do. The Bible is sufficient regardless of what the Catholic Church says to you. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 through 17. So the scriptures are completely sufficient to lead you to salvation, according to this. All scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, so that the man of God will be completely equipped for every good work. 2 Timothy 3, 14 through 17. Again, it says in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 20, but know this first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation. Neither the Roman Catholic Church, a Protestant church, 
or this ministry has the final exclusive authority to interpret the sacred scriptures. In fact, if any one of us disagrees with the apostle have put in writing, we are to be rejected as false teachers. Today, the Roman Catholic Church has a teaching error. They are teaching that human traditions are sacred truth. Their traditions cannot be found in the things that the Apostle Paul previously taught. The Catholic Church is in serious trouble. That is because they came along in 312 AD in the time of Constantine, and they stated, started teaching things that were in direct opposition of what Jesus Christ and the apostles taught in the first century. What is far worse is that they have taught, now they claim that if there is any contradiction between the Bible and what the church says, the final authority is the teaching authority of the church, not the Bible. When you add these notions and you combine it with the fact that popes have claimed the authority and the right to dispense with all things, including the teachings of Christ, I remind you of the quote from their own writings, open quote, the pope has the power to change times, to abrogate laws, and to dispense with all things, even the precepts of Christ. The pope has the authority and has often exercised it to dispense with the commandment of Christ. That's the decreto de tetronic. Episcopal, the Pope has the right to modify laws under the Ferris Ecclesiastical Dictionary. So they put themselves above Yahweh and above Messiah's commandments. Now, so first they suppress the Bible. Then they try to ban the Bible. Then they tell you they're the only ones who can interpret it. And now they say that we can dispense with all things, including the teachings of Jesus Christ. Folks, this is clearly self-serving. It's not God-serving. Understand that Christianity that, that, that we were given in the first century is not the Christianity that the Roman Catholic Church teaches today. Notice what it says in Jude verse 3, as it is written, Beloved, I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation. I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. Okay, the faith we are to contend for, the faith we are to defend, was already given to us completely in the first century. So when they come along in 312 AD and start changing things, this is not the faith that was given to us in the first century. So then, when the church comes along, started by Emperor Constantine 300 years after the fact, and says, don't obey what scripture says, don't obey what the apostles wrote. We have even more power to remove the teachings of Christ, so obey us instead. They are in a lot of trouble if you believe Galatians 1 verse 8, as it is written, but if even we, though an angel from heaven, should preach to you a gospel contrary to that which you have received, contrary to that which they were already preaching in the first century, basically, if we or an angel come from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to that which you have been preached, let them be accursed. Galatians 1.8. So let's review very quickly. First, they discredit the Bible. They claim that without the authority of the church, the Bible has no more authority than Aesop's fables. They suppress the Bible for more than 300 years, forbidding people from even having a Bible and going so far as to giving themselves licensed to murder and persecute people wherever they can be found who are possessing a Bible. Then, and that's according to their own writings, 
Then, starting in the 1500s, when the Gutenberg Press came along, they can't readily suppress people from having Bibles anymore, so they change the rules and claim that they are the only ones who can interpret Scripture for you, and that you can only study the Scriptures with the blessings of their bishops. Convenient little arrangement. They have carried this attitude right on through the catechism of signed off by Pope John Paul II, and they claim that now popes have the rights and the authority to even get rid of the commands and the precepts of Christ. I read that directly to you. Whenever any group says, obey us, regardless of what God says, whenever any group, Protestant, Catholic, or otherwise, said, you know, I know the Bible says this, but obey us anyway, that group is, by definition, a cult. Until I see you again next time, this is Michael Lankford with Discipleship Answers. Shalom.